Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each and every week with very few exceptions. I am Nick Axelrod. Welcome. And I am Annie Kriegbaum. Diamond Creek Bomb, we have an announcement, and we want to put it at the top of the show, as they say in industry parlance, right at the top, which is that we are now on Patreon. And you know why? Want to tell them why? I know why. Yeah. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because Annie and I both work in startups, and when you work in startups, you do not make a salary commensurate with your skill level and experience. (laughs) Sometimes you you do. (laughs) I I mean, if you're not, sorry, if you start a startup. Basically, we're out of money, Nick and I. We don't have any money and we love making this podcast and it costs money to make it. We both could have purchased, well, you did actually purchase a car, Nick. (laughs) We both could have purchased nice cars with the amount amount of money money that that we've, let's say it together. That we've spent spent on on this podcast. Yes. But so, you know, we are in the hole many thousands of dollars. We both love making this podcast, but we're on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Eyewitness Beauty. You can support us, throw us a $5 bill once a month just for being us and for producing this content for you. You can do $10. You're going to get access to exclusive Q&As. We'll send you an email with all the links for all the products. And we'll even go the extra mile. And if we have friends at these companies, maybe we'll be like, hey, throw us a discount code. Oh, we'll try yeah. to do these nice things for you guys because you're doing nice you thing for us. Pay us money. So two things that I... Hold on, you have to give the third level. Oh, the third level. Well... Okay, so we know we have a lot of industry people that listen to this podcast, and they get a lot of good stuff, right? I hope. Well, we hear that a lot. Yeah, we do. The nicest thing anybody said to me about this podcast, God bless her, she said, I go home on the weekends, and I don't ever want to think about work. I just try to turn off, but I will listen to your podcast. It brings me much joy, even though it's about her work. So our premier membership tier, our supporter tier, is called the Milky Bouncy Super Jelly Star. And it is fifty dollars. <laughs> it's fifty dollars. <laughs> you can't laugh at your own jokes like this. <laughs> it's fifty dollars a month, and the idea is that you guys have your corporate credit cards, and you can expense this. So it's research. We are giving scoops on this podcast. We're giving valuable insights, trends. Anything, you can expense this as research, and this is your way of showing us support. And we really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast. We love doing it. We're not going to stop doing it. But we do need to offset the personal (laughs) costs that we incur for producing it. And I realize we should have named the podcast Vanity Project. (laughs) So that's exactly what this is. This is the most expensive vanity project ever. ever uh, Maybe like our bonus episodes that we throw up on Patreon will be called Eyewitness Beauty colon the Vanity Project. We'll do some video stuff. We'll do all the things that we tell you that we're going to do, but we don't do because we'd have to pay for it. We'd have to pay for it. Okay, but here's the other thing I'm going to say is that when on the Patreon, don't expect like heavily produced content because that we have to pay for. So I don't think they've ever expected. (laughs) (laughs) So all I want you to expect on the Patreon is raw, unfiltered, unglamorous looks at us and our lives and our hot takes. Maybe some of our hot takes that are a little too hot for the free listeners. 
The freeders, as I like to call them. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many things I want to talk about. Number one, did you see Machine Gun Kelly had all these pearl applique on his face for the MTV VMAs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I loved them. But no one's talking about how he had like amazing like pearl encrusted face wear. Everybody was talking about... Megan well, Fox. He, well, and he got into a fight with Conor McGregor. Yeah. Was that staged? What was that about? I don't I just don't like all the... I don't like this violent-y, like, MMA stuff. You know I'm a Chastaniac. Do you know who else I have long been obsessed with? Ooh, Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Yeah. Here's why. She was, like... When I worked at Elle magazine in 2012 or 2013... Megan Fox was like on the cover. She was maybe on the, I want to say on the cover of Harper's Bazaar, maybe not Vogue. I can't remember. She was supposed to be the next Angelina Jolie. She was like a huge, mega, really A list star in the making. And then she completely disappeared. You know, the whole stuff with like Michael Bay and. Yes. Yeah. And so my whole like theory is like, number one, there's like all these funny and interesting rumors about her, how she says she's agoraphobic and she's like a hermit. She also has a club thumb. And there's also all these interesting things about her. But anyway, she was considered in the industry to be like kind of a mouthy broad, quote unquote, in that she like was not just grateful and didn't just shut up and take parts. She talked shit about Michael Bay, her director for the Transformers movies. She had opinions. She was not willing to just shut up and be pretty, basically. And her career suffered as a result. She was kind of like pre-Me Too in the way she was sort of treated as a sex object. And then when she wanted to talk, everyone was like, no, 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 no. Actually, we don't want to hear it. And so I just think her renaissance has been gratifying, probably for her, but also for me. And she looked insanely amazing at the VMAs in like that Rose McGowan-esque naked dress. And I loved, she did full body highlighter. Yeah, she just knows what she's doing. And she also hails from like very modest rural, hold on. Yeah, she was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. <laughs> what do we know about Oak Ridge to make the assumptions that it's like very rural and backcountry? Or are you just saying that because it's Tennessee? It is... It's part of the Knoxville metropolitan area. It was founded in 1959. It's 78 degrees Fahrenheit today. And it is the first and largest of the three Manhattan Project sites built to produce the world's first atomic weapons. Oh, my uncle worked on the Manhattan Project. Really? (laughs) I have a great uncle who was in the Jewish mafia. Did I ever tell you that? No. His name was Little Farfel. He ended up dead in a dumpster. Little Farfel? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> what is a farfel? It's like a grain. Like farfel is like a Jewish food, I think. Am I crazy? Was he like a wise cracker or was he like a little like short stout, you know, bulldog type? What kind of personality was he? You mean he? like was he like little farfel like Lil John from like Robin Hood where you're actually big? Great question. I don't know. No, that's, <laughs> that's not what I was asking, but yeah, <laughs> that could be a third option. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I figured he was kind of a smart ass. Uh, well, apparently, <laughs> maybe his, his smart-ass mouth got the best of him because, as I said, he ended up in a dumpster. He, I don't think he was particularly high up in the Jewish mafia. I think he was more of like a errand boy. But I do like to warn people not to fuck with me because I have ties. <laughs> because your dead uncle's ghost is going to haunt them. <laughs> I'm just saying I have friends, you know. 
how have you been? I have no updates on my end. No? No. No, I, I did a podcast, so I'm trying to take notes on other podcasts, and there's a very successful one. How Long Gone? How Long Gone is what it's called. And Nick, I think we do too much. <laughs> <laughs> Most podcasts are a little bit more stream of consciousness, and we heavily strategize. We prepare. Yeah, we prepare. It might not seem that way, but we do. How did it feel to be on the other side of the mic? I felt a little out of control. I found myself wanting to lead the conversation. Wasn't expecting things to get so personal. No, it was fine. My mom thought it was hilarious that they broke for commercials. <laughs> and I was like, mom, successful podcasts get advertisers. It wasn't like a comedy thing. It was, that's, <laughs> she was cracking up. It's a, their full-time job, by the way. They don't Oof. need to beg for money. That's the dream. I know. They probably don't have a Patreon. No. I feel like it's time for Top Stories. To me, the biggest story of the week this week was that Drunk Elephant is going into Ulta Beauty. And while this might not seem like an important story, historically, brands that have been cultivated and nurtured by Sephora are essentially forbidden from going into Ulta. So Ulta and Sephora are fierce competitors, though they have different positioning. I know for a fact that each sees the other as a threat for customers, for probably real estate. And we've seen Ulta go into Target. We saw Sephora go into, where'd they go? Kohl's. Yep. Each one will kind of make a move, then the other will mirror it. But Slightly different. And we know that Ulta is ultimately coming out on top right now because I think it's because they're not in malls. And malls, we all know, suffered and still are suffering because of the pandemic. And Ulta has freestanding stores. They figured out location-wise Ulta is winning. They also have quite a range of price points. And Sephora is more luxury overall. I think Ulta talks to more people. Yes. And I think Sephora might have more of a luxury feel when you go into the store, the branding, etc., the price points. Anyway, Drunk Elephant is, I think, one of the best examples of a Sephora success story in that, you know, it was a tiny brand with only a few SKUs when they launched in Sephora back in the day. I don't exactly know what year. And along sort of hand in hand, arm in arm with Sephora, they grew their SKU assortment. They entered sort of new categories, hair, body. Sephora really positioned them as like the leader in clean. They introduced this idea of clean clinicals. Before that, it was all kind of like clean kind of minutes, like coconut oil and like rosemary oil. And with Sephora's insane marketing strength and email list, they really trumpeted Drunk Elephant's message. And, you know, you would even see as far back as a few years ago, like you'd walk into a Sephora store, traditionally makeup is in the front, skincare is in the middle back, and then hair would be on the far back along with the fragrance. But like sometimes you'd walk into a Sephora and Drunk Elephant would have a little kiosk right in the front, which is the primest of the prime real estate. Anyway, they were hand in hand working together to build a brand. Shiseido ended up acquiring Drunk Elephant for just under a billion dollars. And it's funny. 
funny because Sephora doesn't see any of the money, even though they've invested so much into the brand. But obviously, they've made a lot of money with Drunk Elephant, given that they're the retailer. But anyway, interesting to see now their allegiance to Sephora somewhat waning now that they're going into Ulta. Tiffany Masterson, who founded Drunk Elephant, said... It's a dream come true to share our philosophy and products with the Alta community. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. So their exclusive ended. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And they probably want to go into Target, right? It will be available starting September 26th in all Alta Beauty stores and online. There also could be, you know, now that they have Shiseido behind them, they have a little bit more leverage to come to the table with Sephora and say, okay, actually, we don't want to just be in Sephora. They also, like Shiseido needs to very quickly recoup its investment when they bought Drunk Elephant. And they do that in part by going wider with distribution and adding Ulta is going to certainly help in that goal. So I thought that was interesting. The battle between Ulta and Sephora rages on. In contrast, you were very upset about the announcement of Kylie Baby. So headline is Kylie Jenner launching a baby brand called Kylie Baby. And what I said to Annie is there is not a person who I personally feel is less qualified <laughs> to create products that are safe for babies than Kylie Jenner. You had kind of a knee-jerk reaction because you saw like strollers, like it's, baby carriers. Even though Kylie Jenner has a baby and is pregnant with another baby, I would not let her babysit my child. I would take Courtney. I would take Chloe. I would take Kim. Kylie just that does not seem, it feels like she'd be on her phone the whole time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like you? Well, but like, I just don't think... That we should be emulating Kylie's style and applying it to babies. I just am scared of the people who are 23 and like going to buy a Kylie baby carrier that will then get recalled because the baby falls out or like they forgot to like include a bottom to it or something. I don't know. I just I'm worried. I just think it's a weird, you know, Skims was the most genius thing the Kardashians ever did because it was like a perfect synergistic category. I find baby to be a terrible brand match. I mean, I thought you said that you were saving the hot takes for <laughs> the exclusive Patreon content, but here we are. She also launched Kylie Swim. I mean, she's very busy. So I get your apprehension. You're like, where is her focus right now? It needs to be 100% on this baby carrier. I just think that if you're going to launch baby things, you really, really need to focus on it. I just also think that baby's skin is so sensitive and... If you're going to be making hair products and skincare for kids, you really have to be super careful about the ingredients you're choosing, about the testing you're doing, about all of that sort of stuff. And as we know from the whole transition of Kylie Cosmetics over to Cody, and they had basically used a contract manufacturer to make all their makeup that, and they didn't own any of the formulas, allegedly. According to us. According allegedly. to us. <laughs> allegedly, according to podcast Eyewitness Beauty, I feel like they're not going to be involved enough in the creation of these products. It'll probably smell really like fruity and delicious. I was just upset. I feel like we deserve better. I get a lot of questions on if the products that I make are safe for children. In order to make that claim, you have to test it on children. 
And that's a dark, dark road. No, I've been to children testing labs and they're treated really nicely. (laughs) (laughs) It's Gwyneth Paltrow's, I should explain, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's testing facility for children. And well, what are you talking about? It's Chrissy, it's Chrissy Teigen, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Hillary Clinton, and it's actually sponsored by Wayfair.com. Anyway, I can't tell if you're joking. I'm joking. Oh my god, (laughs) I'm getting like shades of Pizzagate. Like, (laughs) that's what I meant to do. Anyway, don't use soft services on babies. Don't use any products that aren't explicitly marked. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, babies have soft skin. So I don't think that you... I'm not saying I don't recommend my products for children. Right. And that's all I was saying. Don't get defensive. (laughs) Nick is upset because the podcast I was just on mispronounced his brand. (laughs) Nick sent me a cease and desist. <laughs> what else is going on in the world of beauty this week? I mean, I feel like as you can tell by our casual discourse, it was not the biggest beauty news week. Well, there was the Met Gala. The Met Gala, everyone looked a mess. Did you know that they're doing a part two, same theme, early next year? Jesus, really? What? You get to just do it over? <laughs> you get a second chance? I guess they could use a second chance, right? We were kind of messaging back and forth when everybody was showing up. Yeah. We were confused about the people that were invited because it's like the most exclusive or it used to be the most exclusive thing that you could ever get invited to, right? Yeah. And it seems a little bit more democratic, but what I will say is the most interesting take I thought on the Met Gala was to see who wasn't invited was also to suggest they weren't vaccinated for COVID because I guess you had to be vaccinated in order to go. And Nicki Minaj famously this week was not in attendance because she had a friend's cousin, her cousin's friend's testicle was swollen from the vaccine. (laughs) Nicki Minaj wasn't in attendance because she's not vaccinated. So then she took to Twitter to reveal that she's not vaccinated. And by the way, you should be careful because this guy who's a friend of my cousin, (laughs) his testicles got swollen. And apparently it's the vaccination. But the prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago denied that this happened. So... Sir, that's an STD. (laughs) Or prostate cancer. Like, get checked. uh, Yeah, get checked out. But it's not the vaccine. And then there were obviously other people who were in attendance... Bella Hadid didn't go, but she did Instagram a picture of her getting the vaccine just to like shove it to the haters. And who else wasn't there? I think there was one couple, a very famous couple that wasn't there in the music Gaga industry. Wasn't there. I feel like Gaga's vaccinated. Yeah, but she wasn't there. She wasn't there. There's another music royalty couple that was conspicuously absent. I don't know who you're talking about. They have been crazy in love for many, many years. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. Well, they did kind of change the date on everyone, too. So maybe they just, they're like, look, we do the Met in the spring, like always. We're not trying to, like, pop on over at the end of Fashion Week now to do this. But anyway, they weren't there. Allegedly, and don't sue us. I will say the big news to come out of the Met Gala in terms of beauty was that Nikki Tutorials, who rose to fame from being a YouTube beauty influencer, was the first of that type of celebrity to get invited to the Met Gala. 
So that's pretty big for our world. Yeah. I loved the, somebody made a meme about Kim's look. Kim Kardashian famously went to the Met Gala this year in black jersey covering every inch of her including her face and the meme said (laughs) mario can do no wrong as in makeup by mario so i've like read a lot of hot takes on kim kardashian's met gala outfit one of the things i thought was kind of smart was someone's analysis which was like the most visible woman in the world renders herself invisible for like the most visible moment in recent memory for like culture and still becomes like a lightning rod for controversy that this idea of sort of like being a shadow, all of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I loved her big, long black ponytail. That looked great. Yeah. I mean, like here's my best dressed that nobody asked for. Number one. Quana Chasing Horse, wearing Peter Dundas. She had, like, amazing turquoise jewelry and a stunning, like, gold bronze lame dress. Number two, Zoe Kravitz. Number but she three, wore, she, we've seen her wear that exact thing, like, four times that's now. That's fine. She was my best dressed. Not this event. I agree she looked incredible. Not I know, this. but then for your list, she wouldn't make it. Number three, Rihanna. She yeah, could agree. wear a literal sleeping bag, which she was, and look stunning. And I love a comfy she did girl. It, and she showed us. Hunter Schaefer in Prada. It did not look like any kind of a theme. It was a gold skirt and a chest piece top, like armor-like, that had little paillettes on it. And then she wore like a white contact lenses and a spider piece of jewelry over her face. It had nothing to do with the American theme, but none of this did, but she just looked stunning, so I, I loved it. So for me, she's disqualified. And my final pick for best dressed of the night was Maisie Williams in Tom Brown. Everyone and their mother wore Tom Brown. Incidentally, Tom Brown's boyfriend is the head of the Costume Institute, but Maisie Williams has the right look and the right swagger to pull off a wacky Tom Brown get up. So I loved it. So my favorites were, I personally would have worn Iman Hammam's vintage Versace. Looked incredible. I love that Gianni's like still represented. I have been watching the Penelope Cruz Oscar Isaac series about the assassination of Gianni Versace. Whenever I get in like a sad mood, I just want to watch Penelope Cruz movies I love her. I find her so just like visually like appealing Appealing. and she's such a talent and it just makes me happy, even if it's like not a happy movie. But I did make the mistake. So this is a bit of a tangent. I did make the mistake of watching Vicky Cristina Barcelona. This was my fourth attempt. I kept on having to turn it off because it is such a bad movie. Like It's such a bad movie. (laughs) It's just so bad. The story, everything was just horrible. (laughs) It was really painful to watch. Anyway, how do we get on this subject? Oh, Gianni Versace. Yeah. Iman Hamam loved that dress. Lord and Bodhi, perfect to use a popular term, understood the assignment. Americana, they had this like beautiful white handmade gown that was covered in trinkets and beads and vintage pieces of literal Americana Who were your opportunities of the night? Opportunities to do better next year? Cara Delevingne. Let's just not. Let's just not. Channing Tatum 
wore such an ill-fitting suit. Like, you're going to the Met Ball, get a tailor. Just tailor your suit. Haley and Justin, it was just, like, boring. Normal. Another one that I loved, Lourdes Leon. She's on my worst dress list. She has charisma and swagger, and I... Exactly. And so, you know what? This is gonna, We're going to use all of the, like, cliche phrases. I love to see it. I love the concept. I need it to be executed. She was doing Cher from Sunny and Cher era Cher. The execution needs to be flawless. Because you know who else did share was Emily Ratajkowski. And that was very well done, right? Agreed. I didn't like anything by Dundas. I did. Quana Chasing Horse. No, like Sierra, Megan Fox. It's a lot, but at the same time, like not something that sticks with me as exciting or different. Fair. Like it's Ciara. Like I feel like the football reference was a little like, why are we referencing her husband's profession when it's her? You know? Yeah. I mean, listen, we've all spent 18 months in solitude, quarantine. We're all feeling a little crazy. Our like sense of what's a good idea and what's a bad idea has been diminished and blurred. So I can understand just being like, like, what do I wear? What is a good idea? Like, I don't know. This is a good reason why they're having a do over next year. (laughs) I I think that decision is so hectic. This was a dress rehearsal. so hectic. We were like, fuck it, let's just do it again. (laughs) Same thing, one more time. Oh my God. I think that's it for Top Stories this week. And this week we don't have an interview, so we will get into Products of the Week and we'll be back next week with a series of really good interviews. My Product of the Week this week, I didn't have one last week because I was still testing and trying and now I have one this week. I'm a coffee snob. I think I've recommended Aldo's Coffee, which I used to ship from the North Fork of Long Island to L.A. just because the beans were so good. I got served an ad on Instagram for a company called Cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R. They like freeze coffee at the peak you know, freshness. They concentrate it and they create these little aluminum cups. So they're not K-cups because they're not plastic. They're aluminum and they're recyclable. And they have like coffee concentrate in them. They're frozen and they deliver them once a month in a completely recyclable box. And you put one of these pods, they're frozen, again, like a frozen disc of coffee in hot water. And let me just say, I'm a coffee snob and it is a really, really excellent cup of coffee. And it's also really great for on the go. So if you don't have time to brew coffee, you just like literally pop some hot water in the microwave, add one of these little pods to your coffee. They have all different sorts on cometeer.com. It's either Cometer or Cometeer, but I really recommend it. I drink my coffee black, so really the taste of the coffee matters. And I've been really happy with it. And it's a relatively new company. I think you can get on their wait list. It took me a few weeks to get off the wait list. But if you go to Cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R.com, you can sign up. And a starter pack is $32 for the first order and then $64 a month after that. But it's like all the coffee you need. I can't wait to try that. It sounds delicious. It's really good. Can I swap my product of the week for something that we didn't, for whatever reason, discuss at the top of the show, which is your 
you posted about you had some work done. I did. Do you want to talk about it? Yes. I am blessed. And I like to say I was playing the long game because when I met my husband, he was in nursing school and was like reading to children and doing all this like altruistic, beautiful work. And now he does dermatology and can, you know, fuck my face up. And I got Morpheus 8, which is a laser... And I might be butchering the science, but essentially it's 24 needles that are, you know, consistently in a grid injected into your skin and electricity is shot through the needles. So it's incredibly painful, but it's supposed to tighten and help with skin texture and stimulate collagen growth. And it is one of the most intense lasers on the market. I also got filler. As you get older, obviously the natural volume you have in your face diminishes. And so I always get a little bit of filler in my lip just so I don't have little like tiny little bird lips or something. (laughs) I don't get it on my under eyes. I think that guys look great with hollow under eyes. I think it just can make you look a little full, even if it's just putting it where it used to be. And then I also got Botox. And the way that Casey, my husband, does Botox is with a very light hand so you can still express, you can still emote, you will not have a frozen face. It really just softens crow's feet and softens the lines on your forehead. So I let him do that every few months. But I look fucked up. Yeah. I got like a black (laughs) eye from the laser and then like my entire neck is red and inflamed from the tiny needles that were shot with electricity into my neck oh you had it all on your neck too it's really painful and you do about three sessions and they're about 40 minutes each so it's pretty intense but you do three sessions to see real results but Casey, who I obviously trust with my life, is convinced that this laser really produces incredible results. So I took his word for it. Without warning, I mean, you FaceTimed me and I, it looked like you had a filter on. You looked I know. insane. I know. <laughs> insane. Like you were so swollen. It's going, I mean, I swell a lot in general. You have the best sense of humor about it. I mean, really. All of these cosmetic procedures, the funny thing about them is every human body is different. And so, you know, you can go to a talented practitioner and two people can get completely different results, not because of bad work, but just because who knows how your body is going to react to foreign substance being injected into it or how your skin sensitivity works or any of that. So I know because I've been doing this for a while that I swell quite a bit, but then it all goes down. And I also know that I don't like filler under my eyes because it just makes me feel a little full. Well, I can't wait to all the swelling goes down and to see the results. I mean, me too. You're going to be a whole new, whole new daddy. Love you guys. And we hope you will sign up for our Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash eyewitnessbeauty. Support us in any way you can so that we can continue making this podcast. Again, this is not going into our pockets. This is literally just going into the production of the podcast. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our theme music is by Danny Prezant and our album art or cover art is by Simon Abronowitz. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty and you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com 
you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, five stars, tell people why you like the show and why you think they would like it. But the most important thing that you can do is support us on Patreon. You know, the moment that we get to the point where we cover the cost of production, we'll stop shoving Patreon down your throats. So yeah. If this is frustrating to you, that's your incentive. <laughs> exactly. Like you throw money at the problem. We will be that problem. <laughs> <laughs>